every business owner, every quarter should ask themselves these three questions, just like you should get your business evaluated every year. Amazon did this back in the 90s. Amazon asked themselves, what business are we in? And they said, we're in a book selling business. We sell books. Second most important question, what do we do really well better than anyone? You might be a chiropractor and you might be to a major medical, right? But then you got to ask yourself, what do you do better than anyone? And then you should ask yourself, what business should you be in? Amazon said, we do fulfillment better than anyone. We should be in fulfillment. Those three questions transformed Amazon from a small bookseller to a worldwide multi-billion dollar conglomerate. These are transformational questions. A lot of business owners, including service providers, get stuck in the day-to-day. You got to work on your business, not in your business. You got to get away from being transactional and become transformational. Hey, everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. This is Sean Dill with you as we are each and every week. And we have a very special guest with us today. Oh, my gosh, this topic is going to be so important. And it's a topic that rarely do people really dive into in the service world. Now, this is a topic that for me is super important because I have always said this since my early days in my career of teaching then in consulting i've always said you must open your service-based business with a mindset towards your exit doesn't make sense for you to be having your office having your name attached to it or you building an office that's that's personal brand based only because it doesn't make it possible for you to be able to effectively sell your business You must be making smart choices along the way because here's the thing, in the service world, everybody has a big heart for service. You want to serve your community. You build a wildly successful business. But unfortunately, here's the deal, folks. Every single one of you is subject to this. Everybody at some point is going to either retire or those of you that say, oh, no, I'm going to die working on my very last day here on planet Earth. Right. But you're still going to die. Then what happens to all of the people that you were serving? So if you were smart, you would have prepared an exit, and that would ensure that your impact, that your legacy and your business can continue to serve even beyond your career or your lifetime. So we decided today to reach out to Michelle Seiler Tucker, the foremost expert in this category to help us to understand how to prepare our business for exit. How do we know that she's an expert? Well, she wrote the book on it, Exit Rich. I'm going to have her tell us all about her thoughts. And by the way, she knows exactly what she's talking about when it comes to service providers. Her husband's a chiropractor, and they have multiple business interests in multidisciplinary clinics and entities. So we're going to dive deep with her. Michelle, thank you so much for being with us here on None of Your Business. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 
Now, one of the things that I know is super important, you know, my wife, Lacey and I, we wrote a book called None of Your Business. Um, when you write a book, you're writing it to serve a purpose. It, it has a, it answers a question for the world. When you wrote Exit Rich, what was the question? What are we trying to solve for in writing that book? Well, for me, I'm trying to solve two of the biggest problems. Number one, Steve Forbes says 80% of businesses will not sell. 80%. I mean, that's a huge number. And so that's number one. That's the biggest problem. Number two, when I wrote my first book, Sell Your actually see on my shelf in 2013, I did the research and learned that 85 to 95% of all startups within that first one to five years, those businesses would go out of business. But then when I started doing research for Exit Ridge that I wrote with Sharon Lecter in 2019, 2020, I did the exact same research and learned that the business landscape has actually flip-flopped. Now it's only 30%, only 30% of these startups will go out of business in the first one to five years. However, out of 27.6 million companies, those businesses that have been in business for 10 years or longer, 70% of those companies will go out of business, 70%. Those are startling statistics. And the media always talks about the big public companies like Toys R Us, 75 years, goes out of business, Kmart, Steinmart, Montgomery Ward, Pier 1, Godiva, closes down 1,500 locations, GNC closes down you know, 900 locations. But they're not talking about all the private companies on every street corner in every town and every state across a great nation. Unfortunately, these businesses are exiting poor, instead of exiting rich, and they're having to sell for pennies on a dollar, close their doors, or even worse, file bankruptcy. So I wrote Exit Rich to solve those two problems. So why is that? Why is it that they don't have a plan and, and they're ending up having to close their doors and they're exiting poor? What What is what's the primary reason for that? So there's two issues. Number one, the reason that they're having to close their doors, I'll address that issue first. And the reason they're going out of business is because business owners stop doing what I call AIM. AIM, A-I-M, is always innovate and market. Always innovate and market. Business owners stop innovating. Toys R Us did nothing new in 75 years. Blockbuster sold Netflix. They had opportunity to buy Netflix. They did nothing different. Service-based businesses tend to do the same old thing that they've always done. You have to innovate. You're either growing or you're dying. There is no in-between. That's the number one reason that businesses are going out of business. The number one reason that businesses aren't selling, actually two reasons, is number one, nobody really thinks about selling their business, Sean, until they have to, until an internal or external catastrophic event occurs. Health issues, partner dispute divorce, death, COVID. That's the worst time to sell your business because your business is typically trending downward. The best time to sell your business is when your numbers are up and you're booming. The second reason that business owners are not able to sell their business, especially service-based businesses, is because that business is tied to the owner. We have a dentist that came to us, wants to sell his business, been in business 45 years, one dentist, three dental hygienists. He's done. He's like, Michelle, I'm not staying on. <laughs> I said, well, then your business is not sellable because the minute you leave, your patients leave. So those are the number two reasons. There's a lot more reasons, but those are the number two reasons. Well, let's dive in specifically then with service providers um, because, you know, having worked with them for years now, I know this is not on the forefront of your mind. You are absolutely 100% right. Two things then that come up. Um, 
now, like you said, with COVID, we're seeing a lot of service providers that want to move, relocate, make a change, and they want to sell their business. Um, but two things come up to them. One is the valuation. How do I get the valuation of my business? Two, where in the world would I possibly find a buyer for my business? How do you help solve for those two issues? So number one, we provide, we do the valuations. I mean, we've done that. We've, I have personally sold over 500 companies. My firm has sold over a thousand in every single vertical, especially service-based businesses. So we do the valuations. That's number one. Number two, where do you find the buyers? You don't, we do. <laughs> we have over 28,000 buyers in our database and there's five different types of buyers. We also work with our clients to really plan their exit from day one of starting their business versus trying to sell it because you're burned out or because you want to relocate or any of those issues. Because if you're trying to sell your business when any of these events occur, your business is not doing good and you're not going to be able to maximize value. So it's really important from day one to plan what I call your GPS exit model. So, Sean, whenever you want to drive somewhere, what's the first thing you do? You pull out your phone, you go to Google Maps, and you plug in your destination. Destination. This is what business owners are missing. They're missing the destination. They don't have an end game. They don't have a place they're driving their business to. So they drive around in circles. They drive up and down the financial hills to eventually end up nowhere. So you got to start with your destination, Sean. You got to determine, okay, what I want to sell my business for? What is my end game? What is my desired sales price? Because business owners don't plan to fail. They just fail the plan. So let's say you want to sell your business, pick a number, any number. You know, let's say you want to sell your business for $10 million. Great. There's a number. There's a start, right? You might hit it. You might not hit it. But the start of a plan is, is to start somewhere. Then what's the next thing you have to plug into your Google Maps? Your current mm, location. Your lo what's that? Oh, my 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 location. Your location. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The GPS needs to know your starting point. Where are you starting from? What is your current location? And in other words, in the GPS exit model for businesses, what is your current valuation? What is your business worth today? Now, Sean, you'd be surprised that most business owners have never had a business evaluation done. You know, we'll go to the doctor once a year to get an annual checkup to make sure our heart's ticking or, and we're still kicking. <laughs> we even travel a car to mechanic to make sure our car's in good shape. But business owners are never getting an annual valuation checkup. There are events that will increase your valuation and decrease your valuation. It's imperative to know what your business is worth every year. So let's say you want to sell for $10 million and you're currently worth $3 million. Now what do you need to know? Now you need to know time frame. Yep. What time frame do you want this in to do this in? What's the next thing you need to know? Who are my buyers going to be? Now, notice, Sean, I said buyers, not buyer. <laughs> so clients come to me all the time and say, Michelle, I just want you to represent me. I have one buyer and they're going to buy my business. They're not going to buy your business. In all likelihood, that deal is going to fall apart. And you never want to put all your buyers, all of your eggs in one buyer's basket. Plus, how do you create massive value? How do you sell your business for maximum value when you have one buyer? When you have no competition, right. you got to create competition so you can get a higher price. So there's five types of buyers. Let me tell you who your buyers are not going to be. It's probably not going to be a first time buyer because they can't afford a $10 million business. But if you, you know, if your value is around five or under, then they, then it might be a first time buyer, especially in a service based business, somebody who's graduating, getting out of school, that could be a first time buyer. Your second type of buyers are turnaround specialists. They're not going to buy your company because they buy distressed assets. 
Third buyer is private equity groups, PEGs. Now, PEGs buy two ways. They buy based upon platforms and add-ons. Now, let me tell you, Sean, private equity groups are buying up service businesses like crazy. Eye doctors, dentists, chiropractors. I get calls from private equity groups all the time because I'm the founder and owner of Advanced Medical Rehab. We have 10 multidisciplinary clinics. So we get calls all the time from these private equity groups. Strategists and competitors typically will pay the most because they will pay the most for synergies. And then serial entrepreneurs are industry agnostic. And what they do is they just chase EBITDA. EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. I want to stop you right there, right, right there real quick. Help a service provider understand EBITDA. Sure. Here, here, let, me, let me tell you why. Here's what, here's what we get into a lot is in evaluation, a very crude valuation, most of the time service providers are take, looking at their top line revenue and then using a, a multiplier if they could get it. And a lot of times it's it's actually a it's, it's a negative multiplier, right? So it's, it's a fraction of that because they don't understand because they see out there like, wow, this other company sold for an 8X or 10X multiplier. But that usually when we're seeing 8X and 10X is because it's on EBITDA. And service providers don't understand EBITDA, what it is, or even how to calculate it. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then, of course, continue on. Sure, of course I can. So EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. And what I like to call adjusted EBITDA. Adjusted EBITDA is where we normalize the financials and add back all your personal expenses because most service providers, most business owners, not just service providers, most business owners live out of their business. So they run personal expenses, you know, like car, travel, meals, entertainment, um, donations, etc. So we add all that back. Plus there's non-recurring. You know, if you had to pay for an AC unit and cost you 20 grand, you don't do that every year. That's non-recurring. So we want to get that adjusted EBITDA number as high as possible. Because here's the bottom line. Service providers do not trade, do not sell for a multiple of gross revenues. Whoever told you that is not telling you the truth. <laughs> and it happens to me all the time. I had uh, a group, uh, I had chiropractors come into my office that wanted to sell their business. And I went through the financials, normalized the financials, gave them the evaluation and educated them on it. And they go, well, we're very upset. And I'm like, well, why are you upset? And I said, well, our CPA told us we could get five times gross revenues. <laughs> and I said, great, let's call your CPA right now and tell them to buy your business because nobody else is going to buy it at five times gross revenues. Industries do not get a multiple of gross revenues. The only industry that ever gets a multiple of gross revenue is a SaaS business. SaaS, not service business, not product businesses, not anything else. It's always a multiple of that adjusted EBITDA. So it's very important to know what personal expenses that you're running through the business and keep track of that on a monthly and annual basis. Because the biggest frustration that we have as M&A advisors is when we go to add back from the tax returns, not from the P&Ls, the owners are like, well, you figure it out. Well, how can I figure it out? I'm not in your business. <laughs> I need you to tell me, you know, what travel, meals, entertainment are like. Well, call my CPA. Well, your CPA doesn't want to know, and they don't want to communicate that they know. <laughs> so that really needs to come from the owners. So the owners have to do a better job of documenting what personal expenses they run through that business and non-reoccurring every month, every year, and keep a Excel spreadsheet. That way, and you also need to be able to prove it because here's the bottom line, in due diligence, if you can't prove it to a buyer, they're not going to count it. So um, 
we we track our EBITDA. Step number one, I would love it if every listener, every viewer would begin to heed this advice, right? You actually know on a year over year basis what your EBITDA is. And then now we have, we can begin to get evaluation, but- What your adjusted EBITDA is. Yeah, we're adjusted EBITDA, right? Mm-hmm. In the service world, what would be what would we get once we know that? Are we going to get a multiplier on our EBITDA uh, on a dental office, a chiropractor's office? What 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 would we be looking at there? Yeah, so so there are different multiples based upon the industry. All right, so when we do evaluations, we use six different approaches. We look at the asset approach, which is not a lot in service businesses, right? They don't have a lot of assets. We look at the asset approach. We look at the market approach. We look at the the solds the solds. We look at discounted cash flow, which is, you know, future projections. And then we look at what we call the six P's. So the six P's is something we really want to get into on your show because this is what builds synergies. And this is what will can take you from a three multiple to a five multiple or to a six multiple are these synergies. So you have to build synergies that strategics and competitors want to pay top dollar for. Does that make sense? Yep. So let's let's talk about the six P's because this is a cornerstone to your work. It's a foundational yeah. element that you teach. Tell us about the six P's. So I just want to wrap up the GPS exit model real quick yes. and then we'll go yes. right into the six P's if that's okay. Yes, absolutely. So where I left off at the GPS exit model was talking about the five types of buyers. Yep. That last type of buyer is a serial entrepreneur that's industry agnostic. They chase cash flow. They don't care about the industry. All right. So those are the five types. When you figure out the type of buyers that are right for your business, then you have to figure out financials. If I want to sell my business for $10 million, where does my gross revenues have to be? Where's my gross profit margins? Most importantly, where's the EBITDA need to be, the adjusted EBITDA, right? So to sell for $10 million, you need to have at least a million dollars in EBITDA or close to it, okay? And some good synergies. Then you need to know, well, what synergies, what characteristics is that buyer actually looking for and what will make buyers pay more and then build upon those synergies. And then the last step in a GPS exit model is know your why. Why, why do you want to sell for $10 million? If it was easy to sell a business for $10 million, everybody would be doing it, right? Right. Well, you got to have a powerful why to keep you in the game, to keep you motivated, to keep you weathering all the financial storms and all the catastrophic events that occur. So let's get into the six P's. So the six P's, the number one P for service-based businesses is people. <laughs> this is number one because the hardest, the, the, the most difficult thing to sell about service-based businesses is most service-based businesses, the owner, the business is a thousand percent dependent upon that owner. Okay. If I pull that owner out of the business, there has not been a business just like the dentist I told you about. I got a chiropractor's business who I'm trying to sell. And he says to me, oh, well, I have, I have three doctors. No problem. Really? Started bringing buyers. They started talking to doctors. The doctors are like, I'm not staying. <laughs> Two are moving and one's going to open up their own practice. He doesn't have a non-compete. So that's a big problem. So all of your service providers have to build a business. And I don't want to offend anybody here, but a lot of entrepreneurs, not just service providers, all entrepreneurs, many of them create a glorified job in which they go to work at every day rather than a business that actually works for them buyers don't want to buy a job so people is number one you don't build a business sean you build people and people build the business so you have to have the right people in the right seats and you have to ask the who question who opens the door 
who handles marketing, who handles accounting, who handles legal, who adjusts patients, who sees patients, you know, who handles workers' comp, who handles, you know, the list goes on and on and on. The clue here is that you should never be next to the who. You need a business that runs without you. And for service providers, you can't be the only doctor. If you're the only doctor, the only way you're going to sell your business is by agreeing to stay on for a period of time. And that price tag is attached to you staying on. So you won't get all your money up front. It's going to be over terms, over time. Plus, you're not going to maximize value. So if you're a chiropractor, have two or three other chiropractors. If you're a dentist, have two or three or four other dentists. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I just want to point out, too, we talk about this a lot. Um, you've hit on two two points. I mean, 100%, 100% in alignment with you. Um, in our book, None of Your Business, we talk about this GPS, how you must set your destination. So exact same analogy, um, spot on. And we had never collaborate. We've never spoken before this. And so on the same wavelength with you there. The second thing is we also talk about how entrepreneurs, um, they want to be self-employed, but really what they've done is they've just become their own boss They're but they're just employed by themselves. They have a job. And that example is absolutely, you know, that that's critical. I want everybody to understand that because when you've done that, in the service world, the golden handcuffs, you then on an acquisition will be actually forced to stay because the whole thing depends on you. And that is the clear, when that, when that even comes up as an offer and negotiation, you created that. You did that by creating your own job. Yeah. So That's don't why get we're mad constantly at me. doing that. Yes. <laughs> don't get mad at me. <laughs> yeah. Don't get, yes. Do not get mad at Michelle. She didn't do that. You, yeah. you just, you just show them this clip. You say, look, listen to Sean. You did this, not Michelle. <laughs> so yes, that makes a hundred percent, a hundred percent sense. So the first P is people. First P is people. So, so important. I can't stress that enough that you got to build your people. And also, you know, have a layer of management in place, you know, have, have, you know, I tell you, my husband owns multiple clinics and, and he has a facilitator for all of his clinics. So my husband doesn't have to deal with 50 employees. He deals with one facilitator. She knows a problem. She solves the problems. Then she brings it to him after the problem's been solved. <laughs> you know, so you got to have that layer of management. Also, make sure you have your non-competes in place, because if you're trying to sell a, a service business and you have a few chiropractors and the buyer is going to look at that and say, do they have non-competes? Are they going to go across the street and open up a practice? Right. You're also going to look right. at the contracts. They're going to see when the contracts, how strong the contracts are, when the contracts are ending. I know a lot of people are, are employing other service providers on a handshake agreement. And that's also a bad idea. That is, that's, that's financial suicide. You should never do that. You need to have contracts in place. And on your non-competes, you have to continuously update those non-competes to make sure they're valid. This, this um, clinic that, I, that I'm trying to sell right now, you know, the doctor is trying to compete with them. He showed me the non-compete. I'm like, well, that would never hold up in court. That was written 20 years ago and it's never been updated. <laughs> you know, so you got to make sure you keep this stuff updated. Cross your T's and dot your I's. The second P is product. You know, product is your industry. You, you got to ask yourself, is your industry on the way up or on the way out? Is chiropractic on the way up or on the way out? I mean, I'm working with a bunch of chiropractic clinics right now. Some are doing great, some not so much. So it just really depends. And it, it also depends upon what what are your product mix in chiropractic? You know, are you personal injury? Are you workers' comp? Are you major medical? Are you wellness? What percentage of what? 
um, do you have? And, and, you know, you really have to know that as well. So product is, product is huge. Now, most service providers like dentists, chiropractors, doctors, things of that nature, you're always going to be in demand, right? We're always going to need you. But there are things like the pandem pandemic, COVID, hurt a lot of practices. They hurt dental practices. They hurt chiropractic practices. They hurt dental labs. You know, we're selling a dental lab right now. And so you really you really got to look at that. And you got to figure out, you know, how do you pivot? How do you get out of that? I always say, hey, Sean, ask yourself these three questions. Every business owner, every quarter should ask themselves these three questions, just like you should get your business evaluated every year. Amazon did this back in the 90s. Amazon asked themselves, what business are we in? And they said, we're in a book selling business. We sell books. Second most important question, what do we do really well better than anyone? You might be a chiropractor and you might be to a major medical, right? But then you got to ask yourself, what do you do better than anyone? And then you should ask yourself, what business should you be in? Amazon said, we do fulfillment better than anyone. We should be in fulfillment. Those three questions transformed Amazon from a small bookseller to a worldwide multi-billion dollar conglomerate. These are transformational questions. A lot of business owners, including service providers, get stuck in the day-to-day. -day. You got to work on your business, not in your business. You got to get away from being transactional and become transformational. You will never grow without becoming transformational. You're either growing or dying, right? Okay, so that's product. Number three is processes. Processes are so important, but they're kind of like exit strategy. A lot of business owners don't think about it until something bad happens. <laughs> you know, I have I have a service providers business that I'm selling, and a few customers went out on the internet and completely blasted them. And so now the business has decreased significantly. They've lost huge market share. So they said to me the other day, Michelle, we need a policy and procedure for customer service. And I'm like, really? You needed that before now. <laughs> so don't come up with a process because you have a problem. Come up with a process to avoid problems. Does that make sense? Yes. And so your process is, let me tell you what most people get wrong. <laughs> most people get wrong because they design the processes around their agenda. And service providers are notorious for this, especially chiropractors. Oh, we're open from 9 to 12. We're closed from 12 to 3. We're open from 3 to five or three six. on monday wednesday and friday only yeah. monday wednesday and thursday sorry <laughs> good grief how do you expect your clients to remember that you know and you know in in our companies we do we we have a, a huge personal injury workers comp business we also have wellness and major medical but our attorneys are like make it easy for us you know we can't remember all that so don't design your processes around your own agenda don't design a process around what you want because it's really not about what you want. <laughs> it's about having clients that are happy and will continue to come to you and send you business because without clients, you have no business. So design your processes with the customer experience in mind, right? McDonald's did this. Did you ever watch the movie, The Founder? Mm -hmm. Wonderful movie, right? Yep. Back in the forties, McDonald's said, we're going to start a fast food restaurant designed around the customer experience. The customer is going to get great tasting food that's hot, delivered fast. They do that, right? 
all around the world, they they got that right. They never said we're gonna they, they we're never gonna give serve healthy food or it's gonna be organic. They never said that. <laughs> so you can eat at McDonald's anywhere on the road and get the same experience. Have you ever dealt with a company, a bank, maybe a social media company, and you have to go through twenty different props to even get somebody on the phone to help you, or you're transferred to six different people, or you have to fax the same stuff. 10 times before somebody will actually take notice and help resolve an issue. Have you noticed that? Mm -hmm. It's because your processes are designed with their own agenda in mind. And service providers are notorious for that. You got to design it with the customer experience in mind. If you're not in business to create wow experiences, you won't be in business for long or you won't be very profitable, not as profitable as you possibly could be. Make sense? Makes processes sense. should also be productive efficient you have to have a policy and procedure manuals you have to have those sop checklists those employee handbooks those employee contracts that you mentioned and those non-competes because that's the first thing buyers going to ask for when they come in for due diligence perfect so the fourth p which is the highest value driver this is what could take you from a three multiple to five multiple to maybe a six multiple and let me just explain too. businesses typically under a million dollars in ebitda usually will trade for less than five multiple in the service industries they're not always the highest multiples okay over a million is when you get a higher multiple you also get a lot more buyers when you're over a million dollars in EBITDA because there are more buyers for good businesses than there are good businesses to buy. So proprietary is the number one value driver, but there are six pillars to proprietary. Number one is branding. The more well-branded you are, the more I can sell your business for. As long as your brand is relevant in the mind of the consumers. Is anybody paying any money for Blockbuster? No. <laughs> The biggest, do you know who's the most valuable brand in the world? The largest brand in the world? Apple. Yeah, you got it right. Apple, $249 billion. That's just for the brand. That's not the EBITDA or assets or real estate, inventory, accounts receivables, anything else. That's just a brand. So build your brand. Number two, trademarks. Anything that's unique to you, you know, trademark your company name. Now, don't just go get a state trademark. This is the biggest mistake the business owners make. All you service providers, go out there and get a federal trademark. Because if you just have a state trademark, that doesn't protect you. You can receive a cease and desist letter in the mail that says you have to stop using that company name that you've been using for 10 years. And guess what? All, everyone, all my business owners go and hire an attorney. They throw a bunch of cash at it. And the problem is not going to go away and you're going to lose. In all likelihood, you'll probably lose. So go out there and protect your IP and get a trademark. Trademark your podcast. Trademark your company name. Your book. You know, mining your business. Exit rich. Trademark everything and anything that is unique to you and your practice. And then patents are huge. You know, so if, if any of the service providers listening have a patent, get a patent. I mean, have an invention, get a patent on that. If you ever watch Shark Tanks, what's the first thing they always ask? Every investor always asks the same question, right? Do you have a patent on that? Do you have a patent pending? Do you have a utility patent? I just want to smack them and say, no, they don't have patents. <laughs> you know? So patents are huge. They're very valuable. Contracts are another one. Now, service providers don't always, you know, some of them have contracts, but many of them don't, right? But any type of contracts, um, manufacturing contracts, like 
They're all contractors that sell different products, manufacturing co manufacturing contracts, vendor contracts, any type of exclusive contracts. If you're a friend, if you're a service provider and you're a franchisor or a franchisee, um, and client contracts are the most valuable. Most important thing that most business owners miss is you have to have that two sentence transferability clause that says this contract is transferable on the new entity. Because 99.9% .9 of all sales are stock sales, not, a, I mean, asset sales, I'm sorry, asset sales, not stock sales. So you want to make sure those contracts are transferable. And then databases are big. I mean, Facebook paid $19 billion for WhatsApp and WhatsApp was hemorrhaging. You could actually be losing money. And if you have some of these synergies, you could still sell your business for huge profits. Facebook paid $19 billion for a company hemorrhaging money because they had a synergy. That synergy was a billion users. They knew they could ROI and they could monetize on the sale of that business. And any type of celebrity endorsements, um, we have a service provider that has some celebrity endorsements. I'm not going to say who the celebrities are because I don't want to give it away. <laughs> and um, that's huge. Also, ra radio placement, you know. Radio personalities can only endorse, you know, one thing at a time. They can't endorse multiple things at the same time. E-commerce, any e-commerce um, businesses, because a lot of service providers also sell supplements, right? They sell skincare, they sell supplements, they sell hair replacement um, therapies. Any type of placement where you can get the top positions, top three on Amazon, Etsy, Wayfair, that's all value that buyers will pay more money for. And the fifth P is patrons. This is your customer base. You know, you want to make sure you have customer diversification, not customer concentration. Most businesses follow the 80-20 rule where 80% of their business comes from 20% of their clients. So if you're a personal injury client, if you, if you have personal injury business and you're a contractor and 60, 70, 80% of your revenue is tied up in two or three attorneys that send you business every month, and you lose one or two of those attorneys, you could literally be out of business, right? Right. So you want to make sure you have customer diversification. And then the last P, the most important P, is profits. We all want to make money. But the reason I put profits last, Sean, is because profits is never the problem. It's always a symptom of not running on one of the other five Ps. Clients come to me all the time and say, Michelle, I have a profit problem. I'm like, no, you have a people problem. Or now you have a process problem. Profits, lack of profits is never the problem. It's always a symptom. So if somebody wanted to enter into this realm, so they're like, hey, I, I get it. I need to do this. I'll do my work. I need your help because I need buyers and probably consulting first. Um, what does that process look like? Um, because I, I honestly hope that people are inspired because I would love to see our service providers transacting more business, not just in their own business, but in buying and selling of their business. And maybe a few of you actually might want to reach out because you might even be on the on the buy side. You might be looking to acquire um, other businesses um, in other verticals or even just maybe you're really good at what you're doing and you want to uh, acquire biz more businesses and help them build. How do people connect with you? What is the business model on your end? Um, and how are you helping people to, to get to their GPS destination? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, number one, obviously, we sell businesses. Um, so I specialize in buying, selling, fixing, growing. 
Uh, we do sell businesses. We merge businesses together. We help buyers acquire businesses. They can go to my website at SilerTucker.com. That's SilerTucker.com. They can also text Michelle to 888-526-5750 where all of my websites and all my social media pops up. But our motto is um, we, you know, all this time <laughs> in 20 years, I've been working with clients to sell their business or help them get their business ready for sale. And I partner with business owners, investing my money, my time, energy, efforts, et cetera. Um, and, I'll, and I'll partner with business owners. I have a chiropractic clinic, a couple of chiropractic clinics I'm probably going to partner with. I'm also in graphics. I'm in a lot of different verticals because I never like to put all my eggs in one basket. So I like to be diversified. Um, so I do have that model. We are our, our, um, we are starting a model called a, mentor, a mentorship program. And this mentorship program is where we'll have clients come in. The first thing we'll do is, is help them sit down and help them plan out their GPS exit model that we discussed. We will do evaluation to, to figure out where they are, plus five-year projections. And then we'll do a step-by-step -step blueprint to get them there. I will do monthly calls for the first three months. And then my team will be involved to assist them with each one of the six Ps. And then I will do a call with them once a quarter, quarter and update their evaluations to get them on track to sell their business for their desired price tag if they're not quite ready to sell now. And how do they, how do they learn more about that? Same thing, SilerTucker.com, S-E-I-L-E-R-T-U-C-K-E-R, SilerTucker.com, or they could text Michelle to, what was the number again? 888 526 five seven five oh and they can also call us at five oh four i'm gonna give my i don't even know my 1-800 number how bad is that <laughs> my local number 504-525-1717 by the way we sell businesses and help business owners all over the united states we've done deals in canada trinidad columbia so geographic is not an issue um, but they can call us at 504-525-1717 if they're interested in that program. I also encourage everyone to go to exitrichbook.com and get Exit Rich, get the Exit Rich book. You know, Absolutely. Sharon Lecter is my co-author. She wrote Rich Jeff Hordow with Robert Kiyosaki. She herself is a CPA, financial literacy expert, and advisor to many different presidents. And then our book has been endorsed by Steve Forbes and Kevin Harrington, the original Shark on Shark Tank, plus Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, Les Brown, and many others. Um, we are in the middle of pre-sale. The book comes out in June, but you don't have to wait till June. If you go to extraridgebook.com and buy the book now for $24.79, we will email you the digital download so you can read it today. We'll send the hardcover to your doorstep to anybody that lives in the United States. Plus, we will give you a lifetime membership into Exit Rich Book Club where you will get video content of me talking about these different strategies and techniques, plus documents. You need documents to sell your business. You need documents to run your business. So we have employee handbooks, sample non-compete, sample organizational charts, sample letter of intents, sample purchase agreements, due diligence checklists, and closing dots. All these documents together, Sean, are worth over $25,000 if you try to recreate them. They're available for your download and your review. Plus, we're giving everybody your review and download. Plus, we're giving everyone a 30-day free membership into Club CEOs, which is an entrepreneur mastermind, where we really ask those transformational questions, help business owners pivot so that they can build a sellable, scalable business, sustainable wow. scalable business. 
sellable business. That's a lot of value for twenty four dollars and seventy nine cents, huh? Yeah, I got to tell you. First of all, I think that you're going to see tons of none of your business and Black Diamond Club members coming your way because we are a very collaborative community, and I think that you're offering a tremendous value. And I also got to say, I think that twenty five thousand dollars is a low estimate because oh. I've. <laughs> I've consulted a few clients through this process myself, obviously not um, to the depth that you're doing, but I've had clients that have gone through an acquisition and on their end, um, just the legal bills alone to begin the process of, of putting these documents together. Um, I mean, you just blink and you're already at 25,000. So to have that starting point, those templates to get you going, I mean, the value there is tremendous. I have a, one last question for you. What if somebody were in a situation where they were, um, they felt like they had a buyer and um, they were trying to kind of navigate those waters? They've never sold a business before, but somebody came to them and said, hey, I, I want to do this deal. Um, it's in, in theory, in what we've talked about today, it's somewhat late in the game, but can they still reach out to you and get your, get your counsel? Absolutely. I have a group of chiropractors um, that have several chiropractic clinics and they have a buyer. Um, they think the offer is very low. Somebody recommended us. So I'm, I'm and, you know, working with them right now to do the valuations because I'm like, don't accept the offer without valuations. You need an evaluation. And here's the deal. There are so many buyers for service businesses, so many buyers that why put all your eggs in that one buyer's basket? But it's not too late. It's not too late because we can help you making sure that you get in the right price. We can help you negotiate because it's very hard to negotiate on your own business because you're so close to it. Plus, you don't know all the nuances. Boy, yeah. you've said a ton today. You've dropped so much value into all of the service providers that listen to the podcast, watch the videos. I want to encourage everybody to engage SylerTucker.com. This is extremely valuable. Even if you're just starting, you mm -hmm. need to start that engagement process now so that you can build your business from the very beginning with a mind towards your exit. If you're in the middle and you're just sort of having that inkling towards what does it look like on my exit, you need to engage. And if you're in that twilight stage where you're like now realizing like, I need to figure this out. I'm moving to Texas or Florida with everybody else or whatever you're doing. You need to start to figure this out. You need to engage, but immediately. And remember that decisive people are rewarded. So don't sit on the fence. I need for you to go to SylerTucker.com. I need for you to grab the book. I need for you to engage. Make sure you tell Michelle and her team that you're a listener of the None of Your Business podcast and the Black Diamond Club. They're going to take exceptional care of you, and they're going to help you to get the absolute best deal possible. And I got to tell you, too, I, I want to point out, she said multiple times, one of your biggest struggles is finding that person or people or entity to buy. And she has those connections. Remember, we always talk about relational capital. The person that's holding the relationships is the person that has the highest worth in the deal. When she talks about those collaborative pillars and, and all of these things, she is holding the key to helping you to be able to exit rich. Lastly, I don't know if we've ever done this equation, but what if we had somebody that did a million dollars in profit um, for 10 years versus somebody that did $500,000 in profit for 10 years, but the million dollars in profit, the business wasn't structured as you outlined with the six P's. So at the end of the 10 years, they just had to simply pack it up and go away. In essence, exiting poor, but the $500,000 in profit, they did that for 10 years, but then they were able to sell 
um, with maybe a, a five to 10 time multiplier on their EBITDA. At the end of that whole thing, they actually end up making more. They were making less during a short period of time, but because they had paid attention and they structured properly and had an actual exit plan, they mm-hmm. were able to exit rich. And that million dollars a year, I know that you're high-fiving everybody and you're like, I hit that magic seven-figure mark, but if you're not structured properly, it can just all just crumble away at the very end and that would be the most tragic thing. That's the lesson yeah. I that you take away from today's podcast. And I wanted to add to that because I was talking to chiropractors the other day. I work with a lot of chiropractors, obviously, because I've been in the business. I've been seeing a chiropractor since I was six years old. So my whole, and then I married one. So my whole <laughs> life has been chiropractic. But I was talking to some the other day and they're like, well, you know, we've had our heyday. We've made a lot of money. Business is really going down. We're just going to milk it and just run this baby into the ground. I'm like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? And that's a lot of business owners mentality is, you know, we made a lot of money. We had our heyday. Now we're just going to drive it into the ground. Don't do that. Keep your business going. You know, if you've ran out of gas, then have a good integrator because you're the visionary. You're the one that should really be working on the business, not in the business. Have a good integrator. Have a good integrator that can integrate everything in your vision and, and, and sell it for a premium price. Why would you take your life's work, all the sacrifices you made, you know, the money you've poured in to your business? Why would you take all that and just run it into the ground? It makes That's no sense to me. You know, I wanted to beat them over the head the other day. I'm like, no, 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 we're not doing that. So oh, gosh. you always well, hear yourself to build your business, to sell it for premium price so you can deserve, so you can finally retire, finally retire and love off the fruits of your labor and enjoy your life. Absolutely. Michelle, thank you so much for sharing with our audience. Thank you for your time. We know your time is valuable. We appreciate you dropping in. I know you're going to be seeing tons of people flowing in from the None of Your Business podcast and the Black Diamond Club community. And I know that listening to you today, that they're in great hands. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure being here with you. Everybody, make sure that you plug in with Michelle. Make sure that we start cleaning up around the business and get ready for your exit. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's edition of the None of Your Business podcast. We'll be back again next week with a brand new episode.